Well, that song was the sermon, so thank you for coming. <laughs> Take it to the Lord in prayer. can't think of anything, anything better. Um, our walk through the Sermon on the Mount in the upside-down kingdom takes us to a passage today where I think Jesus is utterly serious. I, I know I can't say that one part of the Sermon on the Mount is more important than any other part, but this one is more important than most of the other parts. He's going to get right down to how do we make all this happen. The theme for today, as you'll see on the screen, is simply this. And that is why we are to always pray and not give up. The not give up, everybody, is very, very important. Thursday night, I, I got back in from a, a, a speaking trip uh, in North Carolina, and when I walked into our house, there was a wonderful package uh, for me. And I lifted it. It wasn't very heavy, so I took a knife, and I opened it up, and I pulled it out, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful quilt. And it has all of the fruit of the Spirit on it, love, joy, peace, and, and separate things. And when Marie saw it, she thought it was exquisite. And it was sent to me by a church that I speak at occasionally in North Dakota, and they're praying for me with my liver cancer. Uh, and I, I didn't know who did it. I didn't know if the pastor just bought it, but what I found out when I got a hold of Pastor Paul Knight is they have a group in their church called Prayer Quilters. And, and as they make quilts for people in need, they pray constantly for them and, and what their needs are. Well, we have that draped over our family room couch now. That's a remind, not, and it blends in, according to Marie. Uh, <laughs> we have that there as a reminder that there have been some that were praying persevering prayer over my need and the need of so many others. I got a card the very next day. In fact, some of you have just been so gracious with the sending of cards. It has been exactly a year since I was diagnosed with cancer. And, yeah, and I'm alive! Uh, but we, we have received hundreds and hundreds of cards, and some of them, most of them, were from this congregation. We're so grateful for that. The one I got this week is one that I received Every week, one card from the same person. I can't tell you who it is. I haven't asked permission. But this person wrote on the inside of the card that she had made. She wrote this. I feel like a broken record when my cards all say the same thing. But it's true. My husband and I pray for you every night. Persevering prayer. I'm not talking just about prayer today. I'm talking about persevering prayer. Three P people. Who are three people? People who pray with perseverance and don't give up. And then, as I was just getting ready to come this morning looking for any uh, inspiration I could possibly get, you're not going to be able to see this, but I can. Um, it's Billy Graham, white-haired, leaning down, and the word is pray. We've had this on our refrigerator for years. Incidentally, it would have been his 100th birthday about two weeks ago. And a lot of us wondered, why did God keep him so long since he couldn't hear, he couldn't see, he could hardly talk? 
And most of us say it's because he was in persevering prayer for the world until he passed out away. Never stop praying, it says at the top. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. And if you don't believe me, and you have every right not to, because I'm human, you must believe Jesus. Would you stand with me as we read the Word of God? Chapter 7 of Matthew, verses 7 through 11. If you have your Bibles, open them or turn them on. We also have it on the screen. This is the Word of God. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This concludes the reading of the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Be seated. Verses 7 and 8. Verses 7. Incidentally, any of you that are visiting us today, uh, you don't have to stand up. You don't have to dance or anything. I just want to say welcome. We are a Bible church. That's kind of our piece of this, and while every Christian church in the world loves the Bible, you'll find that if you come here, we will use the Bible deeply every single week in every single message, because Bible churches have focused on what we call the exposition of, of the Word of God. And so you'll always read it, and we'll always hold it, and we'll always value it. So let's go verse by verse, verses 7 and 8, you see what it says there, ask and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. All right. Ask, seek, knock. There's kind of a, an increasing intensity to ask, seek, knock. The second and third actions seem to be more intense than the first. Ask, seek, knock. Penny, penny. Oh, I guess you don't watch that show. All right. <laughs> the ongoing knocking. Ask, yeah. Seek, knock, boom, boom, boom. God, God, God. That's how Jesus starts. All three of those words are in the command voice. We call it the imperative. And it means Jesus isn't saying softly, consider asking, consider seeking, and consider knocking if you have an opportunity. It's a command. Ask, seek, knock. It's also what we call the present tense, which means to keep on. So in the imperative form of command, Jesus is saying, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. And then, to add even more weight to it, he repeats everything in verse 8. Look what it says there. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
This is the beginning of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ on the concept of persistent prayer. Persistent, fervent prayer. You say, Lon, why did you have us start filling out these prayer cards two months ahead of this event? Simple. Persistent, continual prayer. Uh, in, in fact, Lauren and I, during the wonderful anthem, we, the Lord led both of us to start writing down the names of people. We're praying for them every day. Every day. Every day. Ask. Seek. Knock. You will receive. You will find. The door will be opened. What's Jesus up to here? Uh, is it possible to be persistent in prayer? Is it possible to do what St. Paul says, which is pray without ceasing? All things are possible with God. And life is more enhanced the more you learn to do this. We're going to talk today about how to do it. But first, I want to deal more with what and why. This issue of persistent prayer is so vital to our Lord Jesus Christ that in two other places in the Gospels, he also teaches the same thing. You will see on the screen, I've got a couple of uh, texts for you. We're not going to read these, but I'm going to tell you these two stories from Luke 11, 1 through 13, and Luke 19, the unjust judge. In Luke 11, 1 through 13, Jesus says, gives them a story. He says, a friend went over to a friend's house at midnight. Why? Well, because the friend had visitors come at midnight and had no food to share with them. So the friend goes next door to the friend's house, knocks on the door and says, my friend, could you, could you get, could, hey, whoo, hey, hey, Penny. Could, 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 you, could, you, could you give me three loaves of bread? Because I had some unexpected guests just, come in and, and, and they and of course in the Middle East hospitality is everything just just three loaves of, well the friend is asleep in the bed it's midnight and he even says and his children were gathered around him all asleep and he kind of yells out I am probably in what we call um, the dramatic voice uh, uh, silent of quiet I can't get up now my kids are asleep I love you, you're my friend, go away. He just keeps knocking. Finally, Jesus says, the man gets up, takes three loaves of bread, wanders to the door. I'm adding some little pieces in here. Uh, wanders to the door and says, all right, here. Jesus says, he didn't give him the bread just because he was his friend. He gave him the bread because, and, he, and here's the word that is actually used there. It says, because of his shameless persistence, <laughs> he wouldn't give up. Interesting. Story two. Story two is about an unjust judge and, and, and a widow. Those are the two lead characters. Uh, and the widow 
comes before the judge asking for justice. We don't know what had happened to her. Widows in, in ancient culture were some of the most helpless people that there were, unless they had family that could take care of them. But something had happened, and so she kept trying to get justice from the government. And she goes to the judge, and she says, please, please, give me justice in this. Well, this is not just a judge. It's an unjust judge. He's no good. He doesn't fear God, Jesus says, and he doesn't care about people, and he's a judge. I won't say politicians. Uh, <laughs> sometimes. But he's just not a good guy. But she just is relentless, Jesus says, and she keeps saying, I need justice, I need justice, and I need justice. Finally, the judge says to himself, all right, she's not going to quit on this thing. And for me to get any peace in my life, I better just give her what she wants. And in fact, if not, she'll probably start attacking me. By, and I, here's, here's what I think it was. She'll go to another judge and tell him how corrupt I am. All right, woman, okay, whatever you need. Here it is. Now leave me alone. And in both those stories, the friend and the unjust judge Jesus then says, using this kind of language, if the friend will give the bread at midnight, and if the unjust judge will bring justice, how much more will God's chosen people who cry out to him day and night receive what they need? They are stories of contrast and stories of comparison. And Jesus is saying, persist in prayer. Persist in prayer. Don't give up. God hears your cries day and night. Don't give up. Persist in prayer. Persist in prayer. A marker of great faith is persistent prayer. I used to think that a marker of sincere faith was not persistent prayer. I figured God is sovereign. He's got the whole thing kind of, he got the whole world in his hands, right? He's got it all, and, and he's in charge of every single thing. So I don't need to ask him more than once. I mean, I don't think he forgets. But Jesus even says in the second of those stories, he says, will the Son of Man really find faith when he returns on earth. Boom, the lights went off for me. True faith is repetitive, persevering prayer. True faith is not giving up because Jesus says, keep it going. Ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And he exemplified this in his own life. I mean, the disciples are constantly having trouble finding where Jesus is. And where is he every time they can't find him? He's praying. He exemplified this. So, our God is the true friend. And our God is the true just judge who longs to answer our prayers. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Now, next question is, why? 
Why do we persist in prayer? Why do we need to keep persisting in prayer? The next slide will give us three reasons for this. The first is this one. Why we pray persistently? You want to write this down. It's one of the greatest quotes in, in uh, tw uh, 19th century um, Christian um, literacy. Because prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Ian Bounds. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Ian Bounds, really? Really? I, I don't think no matter what I do, it can force God to do what God doesn't want to do. So how does it move the hand that moves the world? Why does a sovereign God need prayer? And respond to prayer. Why does a sovereign God go to that extent? And the answer is, we don't know. We have some hints, but we don't know for sure. Here's where I found satisfaction in the knowledge of a sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful God who still says, pray to me persistently. And it yields results. Here's what I believe. God in his sovereignty, the God who controls everything, has chosen to respond to the prayers of his people. It is the way of things. Did he need to? No. Did he choose to? Yes. And this is where his people participate in the salvation of the world, and yes, even bringing the kingdom of God to the unseen world. God chose to respond to the prayers of his people in the extension of his influence throughout the world and the unseen world. Listen to what Spurgeon wrote. Charles Spurgeon, great, great preacher, pastor of the late 1800s. He said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. And I don't have this on the screen for you, so I'll say it again slowly. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of God's omnipotence. The more I study this more week, the more I realized I have made far too little of prayer. And I used to be, quote, a denominational director of prayer. Most churches make far too little of prayer. Most Christians make far too little of prayer. Most ministers make too, far too little of prayer. We, we spend a ton of time studying. We spend a ton of time strategizing. And we spend a ton of time working. But most of us haven't learned to pray as we think to pray as we work, to pray as we strategize. Jesus, one time, was coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He had left most of his disciples there, and when he comes upon them, they are praying over a little boy who has epileptic seizures and is demon-possessed. And they were failing. Nothing was happening. 
Jesus immediately takes control of the situation and he heals the boy of his epilepsy and he casts the demons away. And the disciples said to him later, why couldn't we do that? We've been learning from you. We've gone to seminary. Jesus said, this kind comes out only by prayer. Only by prayer can forces that evil and that powerful be cast aside. Wow. Only by prayer. We work hard on our preaching in this church. And um, I found myself saying this morning, my prayers today matter more than my preaching today. Reason number one that we pray is because God has chosen to respond to the prayers of his people as a part of his sovereign lordship over the universe. Number two, prayer moves us into kingdom extension in the unseen world. Now, this one's kind of What do I mean by that? There is more reality in what we can't see, hear, and touch in this universe than there is in what we will, than there is in what we do. There is more reality in what we can't see, hear, taste, touch, or feel. I don't know if it's in another dimension. I don't know how God works this whole thing out. He's got Einstein with him now. I think he's figuring it out, all right? But I will say this. Your prayers and mine, friends, not only move God toward action in the things we can see and hear and feel and touch and taste, they are also working in the unseen world. I don't know how many of you have read the ancient uh, book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel is one of the most intelligent humans on the planet, special advisor to, to the emperors of Babylon and later Persia. He had a mind that was like no one before. And he was deeply a man of prayer and worship. Uh, there was one time that he prayed and fasted for 21 days in a row. He was deeply into praying to his God, the one God. And um, at one point, and this is found in Daniel 9.23, Daniel 9.23, and I'm just going to read the first part of the verse, but for later study for yourself. Daniel's been praying and praying and praying, and God sends the angel Gabriel to him. And in the 23rd verse of the ninth chapter, Gabriel says to Daniel, as soon as you prayed, a word went out. Now pause there with me. How many times have some of us read that and passed right over? As soon as you prayed, a word went out in the unseen realms. You are kidding me. Your prayers and my prayers don't only work here. They work there. <laughs> Remember when Jesus is just about to go to Gethsemane? And Peter 
upon hearing Jesus say that he was going to be crucified, literally says, that won't happen to you, Lord. Not while I'm here, it won't. Okay? Peter, tough guy. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. Okay? Jesus, of course, operated in both the realms of the seen and unseen. Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. And then Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. And when you return, strengthen the brethren. The prayers of Jesus operating in the unseen realm. The prayers of Daniel operating in the unseen realm. It adds gravitas to this call of persistent prayer. Doesn't it? It does for me. There's nothing that I do that is as important as persistent praying. Third reason. Prayer moves us to seek his perfect answer to our prayers. The more I pray about needs that I have in my life or pray for others, the more God purifies those prayers toward the action that is perfect that he is going to take. Look at verses 9 through 11 with me, if you will. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Camp out especially on that promise of good gifts. He says it twice. How much more will God give? A father loves his children, but we fathers are still full of sin. Mothers love their children, but mothers still are sinful. Jesus is saying, and yet, even though we don't have it all together, if, if our daughter asks for bread, we're not going to give her a stone. We'll give her bread. We'll take a second job if we've got to to give her bread. Uh, if, 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 if our children need protein, fish, we're not going to give them a snake. Even though we're far from perfect, we'll do everything to give them that protein that they need to live. Later in Luke, when he's telling the same uh, passage and, and repeating this to a different audience, he says, and, and, and if your child asks for an egg, you're not going to give him a scorpion, says Jesus. No, of course not. Well, then how much more? Will the good, good God, the perfect God, give to his children what they need? And then he uses the terms, how much more will he give good gifts, verse 11, to the children? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, we're going to camp on this for a second. And I wrote this phrase, and I really like it. And I wrote it after I'd sent in the PowerPoint slides. Uh, but let's see if you like it. Even if you don't, I do. Uh, our prayers are not always answered 
the way we want, but are always answered the way they should be. You like that? I'll read it again. Our prayers are not always answered the way that we want, but are always answered the way they should be. Right? He's a good, good God, and he's perfect. He's going to answer them with perfection. He's going to answer our prayers the way we would answer them if we knew what he knows. Right? He's going to answer our prayers the way we would answer them if we knew what he knows and can do what he could do. I remember, um, this is 20 years ago now, um, I was, uh, and this has to do with an employment thing, I was in the running for the presidency of a denomination here in America. I was 46 years old. And um, I really knew I could do a good job for God in that, running this denomination. And, and I began to dream about it, and I was put on the short list of potential candidates, and... I didn't even make the final cut. <laughs> I was heartbroken and I was sick. Had I prayed about it? I bet I prayed about it a thousand times. I was persistent in my prayers. Lord, I would like to lead this denomination for you to boldly go where no one has gone before. And God said no. Here's what he did instead. In the disappointment of that, he began to reveal to me a deep blind spot in my own personality and character. And that was this. I had mistaken selfish ambition for godly ambition. I, I, as I work with younger leaders now and still have to work with myself before God, uh, what is true, pure, godly ambition versus self-ambition? Idolatry, as Steve was talking to us. And listen, everybody, like for six to nine months, I, I was just under the weight of God's conviction showing me all over the place my selfishness. And here I was, you know, I had earned degrees, a doctorate. I, I mean, I'd, I'd passed all the exams, all of that stuff. But God, God had to rip deep into my character to start to purify what was broken until it didn't matter if I had that job anymore. By the time he was done with me, I knew I couldn't have done that job, and I probably would have messed it up if he'd have placed me there. He answers our prayers the way they need to be answered. A year or two after that, I was given the privilege of going and leading the, the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College, which was a much better place for me. But not until after he'd done some serious, serious work in my soul. I bet a lot of us have stories like that. So I come back to say this. Our prayers are not always answered the way we want, but they are always answered the way they should be. So keep on praying. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Pray without ceasing. 
So prayer moves God's hands. Prayer moves us to participate even in the unseen realms of God's plans. Prayer is what God uses to give us the right gifts for us, not necessarily the gifts we want. He's a good, good God. Uh, many of you have been dear friends to say, we are praying that God totally heals you. And, and I am in temporary remission. Some of you are aware of that, that the radiation treatments destroyed some of the cancer so that it's not controlling so much of my liver right now. It's, there's still a lot of it in there, but I'm in temporary remission. You wanted and I wanted full healing by now. But I don't have any doubts that God is answering our prayers the way they need to be answered. Apply that to your own life and something that you're praying for. What really matters to you? Believe God that you will be given the right answers, not the wrong ones. And that since we're all just children, <laughs> we, we don't ask for a lot of right things a lot of the time. You know, when, when Aubrey's at our house making cookies with Grandma Marie, and she says, I want to climb up on stove, she's making a petition. <laughs> Not a good thing. We're all children. The best of us don't get our prayers right most of the time. But God looks at our hearts, and he brings what is to be brought that is best for us and for those we're praying for. Well, why don't we pray more if we got all these things? Well, number one, sometimes we just feel unworthy that God shouldn't answer our prayers. Why would he listen to me? I'll tell you why he listens to you. Because by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you're not unworthy. You have been made worthy by the righteousness of Christ, and you are his child. Yeah, you're worthy. Sometimes we don't pray just because we're disillusioned. And I know this whole thing of perseverance, persistent praying people, the three Ps, persistent praying people, I know the persistence thing is hard. I really wish the verse had never been written in the Bible that says this, to the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. He just doesn't have the time things we've got. So sometimes we get discouraged because it just seems to keep going on and not getting better. Jesus would say, I know. I know that my children cry out to me day and night. So, here's my answer. Keep praying. Keep praying. Sometimes we get disillusioned because we asked for the wrong things and we didn't get them like I did. Uh, third, why do we not pray more? Well, because we get so self-reliant. You see, we live in a world where the mold is, the cultural mold is that we do everything ourselves. And the truth is, we can't do anything by ourselves. And I think we pray less because we've bought into the Kool-Aid. We've, we've drunk the Kool-Aid 
that says we, we pull ourselves up. No, we don't. We're children. <laughs> and finally, the fourth reason that we don't pray more is we're lazy. Anyone here lazy? When it comes to prayer? Yeah. I know that I have been. Well, you say, Lon, what do we do about it? Application. I just have two simple applicational points for you. And this is what I try to practice in my life because I believe that persistent prayer may be the, my most important contribution on planet Earth. Number one, if, if you want to get into this more, commit to praying sometime, somewhere, regularly. Number one, commit to praying sometime, somewhere, and do it regularly. For me, it's early mornings. It's a special chair. I've got my prayer books right there. And whether I'm meeting God for 10 minutes or an hour or two, that dedicated sometime, somewhere, puts me in a spiritual mind so that I sense God's presence more, so that I can commune with him throughout the day. And then number two, expect to then start praying all the time everywhere. Okay, so let me try to put this into a phrase that I write. you got to pray sometime somewhere before you'll pray all the time everywhere. you got to pray sometime somewhere before you'll start praying all the time everywhere. And, and what the Lord will start to do is to help you in everything you're thinking to bring him into it. How many times have I prayed for my friends who lost their home in the fire just this morning? Five or ten. Every time it comes into my mind, Lord, be with them. doesn't have to be long prayers. Uh, you're at work and you say, gee, this is a difficult thing. I've got to lay this person off. Lord, help me and help them right now. And you start to bring God into every situation in your life. And that's what unceasing prayer is. And so I close simply by saying what the Archbishop William Temple said. When I pray persistently, circumstances happen. When I don't pray, they don't. Pray, 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 pray. It is your most important duty on planet Earth. Let us pray now. Father, take these words and move them where you wish them moved. Press them into our lives where you want them pressed. And God, forgive us for how very often we are people who don't pray. Oh, Lord, make us persistent praying people. I ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for coming, everybody. Next, next week... Um, when you come, and you're going to want to, even though it's Thanksgiving weekend, you're going to hear some of the most dangerous stuff Jesus ever said. It's very shocking. So don't miss it. Amen? Lord be with you. Bye-bye, everybody. If you need prayer, come on down front. We're here for you. Have a great day.